Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Welcome back to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson. If you missed our first hour of the program today, uh, we did a deep dive on a lot of this chatter and clamor around uh, the supply chain and what that's doing to inflation costs, what that's doing to costs for producers and businesses, uh, what that means for uh, you as you're trying to buy things. Uh, Of course, we talked about what's happening on shelves and stores and what role government has and doesn't have and what the fix is. Uh, If you missed any of that, you can go and uh, check out the podcast later this afternoon on uh, kslpodcast.com and go to Inside Sources there. Uh, It was really an interesting conversation, and and it really highlights to me so many of the problems that we have when we try to solve everything through government. Government has a role. Government has a place, to be sure. Uh, But when we overlook at that, when we only look to that, uh, we often end up with solutions that are worse than the problems, and they perpetuate, and they're expensive. Uh, and so we have to continue to monitor and look at how we do that. I was really pleased to hear from uh, Miles Hansen uh, from World Trade Center Utah, some of the alliances that are being formed here in the state of Utah with importers and exporters uh, to show businesses that, look, this is this is a great place, and uh, when we bond together like this, we can create uh, things that are economical, efficient, effective, uh, and can really move things along. And so I think there are some good Utah model solutions out there uh, for for many of these issues. And, uh, of course, we were also talking about uh, Joe Manchin and some of the chatter today about him uh, leaving the Democratic Party. Uh, he, he used a few uh, Joe Manchin, West Virginia words in his uh, rebuttal to that, says, no, that's not going to happen. Uh, But it does lead to this very interesting conversation. I want to stay with this conversation as we uh, come down the home stretch in the show today about the integrity of compromise. Uh, I think we have some misnomers about compromise. Uh, On one hand, uh, this was something that I saw in Washington, and and we've joked about uh, over the years that if you're in a congressional office, whether your office is uh, the home of a Democratic senator or Republican senator, or whether that's a House office with a Democratic representative or a Republican representative, the calls that will come in from constituents can usually be categorized into two buckets, just two. And the first bucket is the bucket of compromise. Compromise, 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 anywhere, everywhere. Uh, We used to joke it was, you know, in a box with a fox, in the air, everywhere, compromise, compromise, compromise. So that's the first bucket of calls that come into a congressional office. The second bucket of calls that come in from constituents is never compromise, never compromise. Stand on the principle, stand up for what you said you would do. Don't compromise, don't bend, don't yield, don't listen. And those are the two buckets. And amazingly, in my view, 
both of those are absolutely wrong. The compromise anywhere, anywhere in a box with a fox uh, is not the right is not the right thing. Nor is the never compromise, never bend, never yield, never give an inch. They're both wrong. Because in a constitutional republic, you have to have it. Anything that is going to be decided by 535 people, 100 in the Senate, 435 in the House, is going to require some element of compromise. Right now, we're seeing a lot of compromising begin to happen within the Democratic Party. They're negotiating with themselves on the vast majority of the issues that are holding up the president's social spending package. And those negotiations are good. That conversation is good. Uh, of course, we have to do it across the aisle as well. And uh, I shared just in the in the last segment a little audio from a, an interview I did with Joe Lieberman a while back here on Inside Sources uh, talking about the integrity of compromise. And I want to dig into that just a little bit more because, again, it's not just compromise for compromise sake. That's one of those two buckets that are just not right. So the integrity of compromise, especially in a hyper-partisan, turbo-tribal, and uh, really divisive uh, world that we live in, the political discourse in this country, uh, compromise has taken a pretty big hit. And so what often happens is you end up with kind of the intolerant extremists on the far left and the party purists on the far right, and they deride the term compromise as code. For someone who's about to become a traitor, a squish, a sellout, a person without principle, uh, someone who's just selling out for political expediency. And that's often not the case. Uh, It's actually sad to me in our world today that we have disincentivized the integrity of compromise. Because someone on the left... If they compromise, they know they're going to have a primary challenger when they run for re-election. Or a Republican on the right, if they compromise or work with colleagues across the aisle, they're going to face somebody in a primary. And it's the hyper-partisan that we've lost this integrity of compromise. Uh, of course, the if you go back to the real root of the word compromise... It actually means mutual promise. Also interesting. Now, I'm I'm no linguist, uh, so I'm not going to split hairs on what all of that means, (laughs) what the origin is. Uh, But I do think considering compromise in the context of a mutual promise is worth looking at. I think that's uh, worth applying to a whole host of things. Uh, And so as I reflected back this morning on my conversation with Senator uh, Lieberman, uh, he talked about this idea uh, that he first learned actually from one of his mentors, uh, Senator Abraham uh, Ribicoff from Connecticut. And Ribicoff was one of those model statesmen. And he once actually gave an entire speech titled The Integrity of Compromise. And for Joe Lieberman, that was that was a defining moment. And so Lieberman described the integrity of compromise by saying, in other words, to compromise in a democracy is not dishonest. It's a way to get something done. It's not to compromise your principles, but just to not expect to get 100% of what you want every time in a piece of legislation. 
And we can look at history, uh, even recent history, modern examples of some pretty strong personalities committed to their principles and their political parties, for sure, who simply made a mutual promise, a promise to listen, a promise to debate, a promise to consider, to learn, to strive to understand where the other side was coming from. Uh, We've talked in the past about President Reagan and Tip O'Neill, one a liberal, one a conservative. They worked together to solve a lot of problems, uh, notably Social Security. Uh, Even in the 90s, not so long ago, President Clinton, center-left Democrat, Newt Gingrich, right Republican, very very unlikely couple, but they worked together and they got a lot done. Welfare reform, criminal justice reform, and then probably, to me, the most significant, a balanced budget that actually balanced the budget and produced a surplus in our government for a couple of years. So we know there are some models out there that work, but we have to be able to do it in a space that works. And if we're so hunkered down in this win-it-all-costs, zero-sum game mentality, there's no way to actually have the conversation. Because the further apart we are, it doesn't matter how loud we scream. Nothing's going to get done. And everyone will be a little tired. Everyone will be a little more exhausted. Everyone will be a little bit more frustrated. Uh, But nothing's actually going to get done. And so we have to look at this integrity of compromise and remind ourselves that we do have some common causes that we should go after together. We have the commitment to listen, to learn, to be curious, because then we can actually get something that will produce outcomes. And that's what we got to get to. I'm Boyd Matheson. Thanks for joining us today on Inside Sources. And as always, as you go out into the world, make sure you see something that inspires, say something that uplifts, and do something that'll make a difference. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts.